What up, guys and girls? It is Bobby. And Sean. We're back for volume three, four, three of We're Back. No, this We're Back should be like a Christmas We're Back. Like, this will okay. not even be part of the volume. It's just a special holiday edition. Oh, a special holiday. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we're here for our holiday edition of the Cronus Cast. Uh, hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas and uh, getting ready for the new year. Uh, what are you been up to, Sean? Oh, well, I guess we should lead off with uh, 10,000. Uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, we are now sponsored by the apparel company 10,000. Use the code CronusFit15 for 15% off. Uh, they're doing a crazy uh, holiday sale right now. Where they're giving you like a free shirt if you order $75 worth of stuff. And then you get like free uh, or like reduced prices right now. So it's a pretty good sale. I actually stocked up on um, a bunch of stuff. Got a shirt, some socks, uh, shorts, another hoodie. Uh, So definitely check it out if you guys haven't yet. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I've spent the last couple of weeks running in their interval shorts. uh, And I restocked. So now I have three sets of them, two dark blue and one black and i think we talked about it before or you could probably get away in regiment wearing these shorts mm-hmm. but they are now my go-to running shorts i used to run like exclusively in my ranger panties or my uh, sophies and now it's just these they're five inch inseam they've got like a slight liner in them uh they hug your thighs if you know you have some definition in them you know you don't have to be like jacked uh in order to have like a nice fitting short but um, they are my favorite shorts now. And then I did a squat workout in, uh, I'll have to look up the short name, but it's one of their other, uh, like fitness kind of functional fitness shorts and they were super, super comfortable. So I'm really loving their shorts that I got. I've tried out their socks now for three runs and you know, they're, they're very comfortable and they're fashionable too with, you know, a very subdued logo. So I love, uh, the gear thus far. Um, and I think I'll be running in these uh, all the way through the, the Ironman train up for sure. Definitely. So, like I said, use the code CRONESFIT15 for an additional 15% off. And then check out their holiday sales. Um, a lot of stuff uh, at a pretty good price compared to the rest of the year. Yeah, and you look cool in it. Like, I know last time I seemed to come off like a boomer or an individual that was very old. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell I'm very cool. I've got a backwards hat on now. And uh, between that and my 10,000 gear, I would say that, you know, I'm as good looking as I was when I was 25, 26 uh, in what would be then the the prime probably of some of my running. So, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm hip, guys. I listen to Apple Hits Music yesterday working out i heard a lot of music i've never heard of before but you know grooved i think is the correct word to it in the gym um it was pretty uh dope af uh liddy and i'm really excited uh because it's it's a it's the fetch season so you know like don't don't hate me because i don't like tesla how many uh like pseudo trendy terms can you throw on one statement because those are like varying uh decades right now kind of age yourself again with fetch i'll be really honest that was the most i could think of even if i were to dedicate five minutes i wouldn't come up with any more than that i think uh isn't fetch from like the 90s no fetch is from mean girls it's from mean girls yeah yeah yeah, yeah, stop trying to make fetch cool gretchen 
still aging yourself. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of aging myself, uh, I went back. I had to take about two months off uh, from working out in order to focus on academics because this job cycle between your 2.0 and 3.0 year is the most important coming out of law school. It's essentially what will be your first employer with a 99% guarantee so long as you really don't piss off a partner. And so it's really important what your grades are going into on-campus interviews or, or early interview week. Getting back into fitness, I went and started squatting again. I've been running real heavily, trying to get miles up now. And holy shit, man, I am old. It I feel really weird because it was just a couple years ago at Carson. Dan and I would be on the assault bike at Garcia. We'd see someone doing some awful squats at 315 thinking they were the shit. He and I would go over there in running shoots and without warming up being able to knock out five at 315 on a back squat, I wouldn't feel anything afterwards. I'd be like, okay, that was a hard push. But I did a couple sets of 315 the other day. And I felt like my groin and my hamstring were about to fall off. I had to legitimately stop squatting or doing legs at that point for the workout because I just felt like this awful sensation that I don't ever recall feeling in my you know mid-20s. So doctor, what is wrong with me? Do I need to be prescribed something? Do I have tiny heart syndrome? What the fuck is wrong with me at 31, almost 32? Yeah, I'll say that uh, it's definitely, I've appreciated that getting older is quite is more difficult working out put it that way even like in med school i was working out pretty hard for a little bit um for a couple of years like training out pretty hard to try and make my run across the regionals even then like i felt like i w- was able to train harder back then and that was like at 27 compared with now at 30 it hurts a lot more in training for sure Sorry, I was opening up the blinds so I get some natural light in here. Yeah, Dude, I think yeah, it's definitely I, a component of like just getting older. You know, it takes a little bit longer for your body to to warm up. You know, all the uh, years of abuse are starting to add up and accumulate, especially in your joints and some of your muscles, your ligaments. It's just a little more uh, difficult to get going. That's why you know recovery and uh, proper warm up is becoming more and more important because. You know, back in the back in the day, you know, when you're in our young tw- in our uh, low twenties, you could just like roll right into workout, no need to warm up, your body was ready to go. But now, it definitely uh, requires a little bit more thought. It was great. I've got so much more respect for those first sergeants out there, the sergeants major and regiment that have maintained essentially that same physical prowess that they had when they were, you know, nineteen to twenty two coming into regiment. Uh, or some of the individuals that are in other special operations units that are there at 38 to 40 and doing it day in and day out. Like, I can't imagine the impact that that'll have on them when they're 50 or 60. Um, And I went through ranger school with a sergeant major and then I think a captain or a major that was a chaplain in group uh, back back in 2012. And... I mean, I could go through ranger school right now. It would suck, but it would suck infinitely more when it comes to the physical aspect of it. Because when I went through, I thought, I'll be honest, I thought the the physical aspect was, was not as difficult uh, as we were made to believe, primarily mm-hmm. because all the stories about ranger school being so physically tough and demanding, I think, is promulgated by failures. And so 
people that failed tend to make it seem like it was this insurmountable obstacle that only a few can overcome. But going back now, if I was 30 to 35, uh, I would be much more inclined to listen to that kind of logic because it is physically so challenging to recover quickly, to be able to get up and sprint and do all that stuff that we took for granted at 22, 23. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't necessarily think that running your school is, like, that tough physically. I mean, like, you have to be in really good shape to pass rap week. But, like, pass rap week, like, you're not doing, you know, you're not getting graded or being assessed for physical fitness. It's just rather being able to walk with a heavy ruck for long periods of time and not fall yeah. out. Which you can argue that's not exactly fitness. It's just kind of, that's, like, I feel like that's more mental than, than physical strength. And I think, like, yeah. that uh, being older now, I think having the perspective um, of, like, being able to endure more, I think that's why, like, a lot of older guys that go through ranger school actually have a huge advantage because, you know, typically when you're older, you've endured more suck and have more shitty situations. So, you know, you're a little bit more resilient at an, at an older age. Um, whereas, like, a, as, as, like, a young lieutenant, like, haven't really, you know, had much, um, you know, develop that much resilience so i think like uh, from mental i think range school is a lot more mental than physical yeah and speaking of that mental aspect i really didn't think about it again or appreciate this kind of fact but i would say at least back in 2014 15 16 in, in that era with regiment most of the rangers that were going to school usually had a deployment under their belt mm-hmm. and had seen combat and so from that perspective, I could see being at ranger school in this school-like environment where you're getting these artificial injects that aren't real life, but they're supposed to mimic real life, not being as stressful to that, like, again, that, that guy coming out of Eye Bullock or that gal coming out of Eye Bullock where all they know is a schoolhouse and they take it so uber serious. Um, I, I did not appreciate the the mental side of ranger school uh quite as much until you know more recently in life especially you know with with aging and seeing how if i went through now i'd be like okay physically it sucks more but this is a game this is school i'm not going to be thrown off or you know totally influenced by some random like variable oh there's there's one more you know casualty on the objective okay we'll figure it out Mm mm-hmm yeah, there's definitely something to be said about like being more uh, like a mature individual, having life experience, going through these schools, um, having more success. Definitely, like I've I've noticed like I, when I went there, I remember like the chaplain from like group that was like forty something years old going through it. Like he was like it sucked. He, like I remember talking to him and saying he's like it sucks, but you know it's not that bad. So I wonder like you know saying this now. Would you go back? Do you think you'd go back right now? Do like maybe a phase and recertify? I wonder. Oh, I used to want that not so much from the tactical side of the house because I would say if you're getting ready for company command, being able to brief a platoon op board is not challenging uh, in the slightest or preparing for a a, a squad stick slain. Physically, I'd always wanted and advocated for that kind of 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 a validation or a recert for guys that got really fat after they graduated. The individuals that once they finished ranger school, that was essentially the most fitness that they were going to do in their life. They weren't going to do it again. They got theirs, and they didn't realize that them being out of shape or, or looking physically unfit, not only to wear the uniform, but to wear the coveted ranger tab, 
was just uh, inappropriate at that point, and and they were doing it a disservice because individuals would look at that and then question the school um, and the mm. legitimacy of it. But I think I would go back. I I kind of like RASP, but I just don't think the school is big enough to support individuals going back through Florida phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the TDY funds would be exponential because you got probably like 1,000 to 1,500 Ranger grads every year. So compound that for over a, say, 10 to 15-year period for individuals that have stayed in, that would be almost, you'd have to double or triple the cadre size. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, one of the uh, one of our research res er, one of our second year residents at uh, in Madigan, he wants to go to try and do Ranger School next year. Uh, he was like a marine, prime marine officer, so he did like he always talks shit. Like he, I was on nights with him last month. He always talks shit about like IOC being so hard and like Ranger School be such a joke. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So. That's pretty funny. I, I, I hope that that'd be great. I think it'd be cool to get the opportunity to go to random school as like a, as a physician. Cause I mean, how many like tabbed physicians have you ever seen walk around besides like the prior service SF dudes? Uh, none. I've never, I, I remember meeting, uh, a tabbed aviator found it afterwards. He had been in regiment. And so like, I think now whenever I see a tabbed aviator minus a couple that are like officers that branch transferred into aviation, like after three or four years, the majority of them were prior enlisted uh, in the 75th. I think that would be awesome. I remember we had a couple Marines, uh, and I've met a couple Marine Corps officers that speak very highly of the challenges uh, for their infantry officers course, as well as the basic school. I tried to go to Triple C at Quantico, because they have a required like 20 mile ruck that all mm-hmm. infantry captains have to pass and i thought that was awesome meanwhile you go to fort benning and it's 12 miles you do it with your small group leader it's like 35 pounds you do it around the airfield it it's like a joke because nobody wants to win it it's just like finish it it's like that the opposite mentality of what i was hoping to get when i went to triple c like the mm-hmm. the marines at least still have that uh hard charging you know, Mentality. full frontal assault. Yeah, I love that. Like, that's the kind of stuff I wish the army would would indoctrinate a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a. I actually had pretty good discussions with with this dude um, overnight because we talked a lot about like uh, the different training for officers, both in the army and then the, and then the marine specifically, and how all marine officers go through TBS, the basic school. Mm-hmm. So they all have that shared like mental schema of how to be an officer. Um, like infantrymen first, so all like marine officers understand how like the infantry works um, because they've gone through that same shared um, experience in their basic school. Then you like compare it to the, into the army, and then you have like you know the only shared experiences you really get are like pre commissioning sources where you have like your LDAC. That's the only time you have to like do something. You know, yeah, and even even ROTC programs aren't equal. Uh, you know, service academies are not equal. Um, yeah, I, I, they used to have Bullock one and Bullock two Yeah, and everyone had to go to, I think it might've been at Benning, but it might've been at Knox. And that was your first introduction into the army and being an officer. And then you went to your branch specific, mm-hmm. but I think they realized that it was a waste for maybe some more like hard charging branches. Like we're taking away opportunities to train on the basics of infantry or armor or maneuver just so that these individuals can learn like 
how to fill out a DD-214 kind of paperwork, uh, really boring shit that officers kind of figure out on the job. But I don't know. I just wish if I did everything and I could go and change something about my experiences in the military, I wish it was more difficult uh, for for us in general. I wish IHOLIC was more difficult. I wish C was more difficult. I wish being able to commission into maneuver branches was more selective. And like, if that means you have, you know, 75% of the maneuver officers out there um, and you're cutting 25% of the force, like, so be it. It, it needs to be that, that premier uh, organization and not just something that people just shrug their shoulders at now. Yeah. But I think it was like, you know, you weigh both sides of that coin. You have like the manning aspect and, you know, we have to fill X amount of spots in order to sustain like a, a modern army. So you know, if you raise that bar, then you kind of drop out some candidates that could fill these spots, right? Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it. I I would say the army needs to be downsized uh, anyway. I again, I am not at the strategic level. I've never served in the Pentagon. Uh, I've been an aide, and it's not like I was sitting in on some you know, secret briefings where we were talking about manning. Like in general, I understand how manning works in the military. And I I think you could cut a couple brigades from the army, to be honest. Everyone is just promoting. I I think it's a fear mongering culture. You have to have these brigades. We have to have a brigade in Germany. We have to have a brigade uh, in in Korea. We have to have, you know, two brigades. uh, What is it up in Alaska or a brigade plus in Alaska to ward off the commies. I just think you go down to a trimmer force. The the enlisted soldiers are going to be better because you can be more selective. The officers are going to be better, more selective. We don't have as much like fraud, waste, and abuse with what we're spending. I'm like, if you think that the military doesn't have fraud, waste, and abuse, just look at what Congress has passed and is projected to pass in at least one of the houses with our spending bill and the COVID relief bill. Like just... It's an insane amount of money, and when it comes to our uh, appropriations every other year, you've got so many people, you know, lobbying for their specific district to build some random component that none of us will ever see. It's just like let's get down to a smaller, more elite force that nobody wants to fuck with, instead of TikTok boots and whatever the hell soldiers are doing now on social media. Because I'm old. Yeah, I don't want to hate TikTok boots. I think it's kind of hilarious. Uh, no, I think I think the page is hysterical. Oh, I yeah, can't yeah. stand the soldiers that are being highlighted because it's just again it's doing a disservice to to those that you know just shut up and paint and are doing their job day in and day out and aren't trying to capitalize on being an E five, E six, or an O four in the military. Yeah, I mean it's tough because it's like you can see, I I can see both sides of the coin, especially from like a strategic level in terms of. Um, you know, once you like downsize, especially like the government, I feel like if you, once you give something up, you don't give it back, you don't get it back. So like, especially with the military, you know, that budget, you know, once you give some, some dollars back or some manning back to like decrease, you're not going to get it back in the future. Um, and especially talk about like the military industrial complex, I'm sure that heavily weighs into how much, you know, defense budget is. Yeah. I mean, it's insane what we spend in our military compared to other modern industrial nations. We're further removed from Russia than most of you know our allied partners in Europe. I think 
Russia probably has a, a good military. Anyone that's been in has seen briefs on their capabilities. The same with China, and it's usually like, oh my God, we're showing them their most like elite units, so everyone has to be scared that this is going to be every single person that you're going to come across if we were to ever fight those two countries. And just like the American army, you know exactly you know who your studs are and, and who your duds are. So I, I think no modern country, and I think there's a stat out there, like no country with a McDonald's has ever gone to war with another with a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever go to war with China. I, certainly not with Russia. I just think they're like the king of the trolls right now. And they know it gets our guff up when they do something on the cyber front or they do something in Crimea. No one's ever going to create a red line that we actually cross or that they actually cross uh, for a vice versa. But it's just such a waste of funding when you look at everything that we've talked about from this summer with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and talking about how can we reform the United States in general, just beyond race, how to make it a, a more um, educational you know country and a prosperous country. And we look what we spend on the military and like we're not going against conventional nations. We're, we're going against individuals with like maybe two magazines and AK and then somebody in their family knows how to create an IED. And like you just get groups of those that we've been fighting now for 18 years in Afghanistan. Yeah, but I mean, defense stock, my budget, my retirement <laughs> funds. I'm doing well with retirement funds. Yeah, I, I'm I'm shitting on your employment right now, so <laughs> I can understand if you uh, if you would be against that, especially when I mean my education is being paid by tax dollars, so I really can't say anything either. Yeah, I was like, uh, was talking with my one buddy. Um, we, we like did the math. Apparently, there's only a hundred something general surgeons in the entire army right now. And then we were just talking about like how uh, in the military, you know, physicians face a huge like uh, just the military in general faces a huge retention issue with uh, physicians in the military, especially like surgeons, because like you talk about like surgeons, uh, civilian side, like you, the average general surgeon in America makes like three hundred fifty thousand a year, whereas in you know in the military, you know, you're still being paid like two hundred thousand dollars ish a year through the military. Um, but I mean, like compared to what you would be making on the civilian side, like it's, it's like a pittance of what you could be making. So it's like, uh, you know, why, and you think about how many, you know, um, surgeons there are, like, why can't, uh, the military do better to like entice, you know, more, I guess, needed positions or needed people or, you know, to retain skills and better, better retention for, uh, um, you know, better retention, retaining talent better. Well, so here's a conversation that we can have about retention. We've talked previously about how the 75th has a huge retention problem with junior officers. Um, You know, when you were in 375, like how many of the junior captains got out either before command or did command and got out or just got out after their PLXO time? Um, 175 was no different. I think like the I would say 80% of the individuals that I served with as a PL there are out of the army right now. Um, But you look across the board and you talk about surgeons specifically, I feel like the army keeps moving or will eventually move to this like contractor model where we outsource jobs that have traditionally been filled by soldiers. In Afghanistan, the mechanics over there that are doing work on MATVs, MRAPs, Predominantly, the ones that I've met are all contractors. The guys working on our strikers, contractors. Surely the Army has invested enough in our mechanics to be able to work on these systems. 
the individuals flying uh, the drones in Afghanistan, a lot of them contractors. I, I've gone to the hospital before and you see civilian docs working in there in the ER um, whenever you have to, to report that are like contracted out. So do you think we're going to start shifting away from you know, saying we have to have a soldier fill this billet to a much larger kind of contract free roam, you know, a la carte service? Well, that's actually uh, becoming a reality for medicine. Um, I think like a couple of years ago, they announced the new DHA, the like Defense Health uh, Agency initiative, where um, they're trying to downsize or shifting funds in the military's uh, healthcare uh, because at the end of the day, like why would the military employ like an active duty physician? And something like, you know, like uh, peds geneticist or some like weird special subspecialty. Like why should would the military pay for this uh, person to get trained in something that's that ultimately doesn't, you know, affect uh, war fighting and supporting a war fighting force. So there's already talks about that in the healthcare side in terms of shifting more towards a contractor for state side. So like, you know, for your beneficiaries, your retirees um, having like a contracted workforce of physicians and nurses that are take care specifically of stateside and then shifting the military's budget and, and supporting like active duty physicians that would deploy. So things like surgeons, mm-hmm. you know, e- emergency medicine, anesthesiologists, orthopedics, things like that, that would directly support, you know, war fighting functions. But so that's like a huge buzz right now. And like the, uh, in the HPSP, it's like the scholarship realm because a lot of these like, um, you know, a lot of these young, like, uh, med students who signed the contract to join the military, you know, were told that they can be, you know, they can, that the military healthcare system, they can do whatever they want. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, whether or not you're a doctor or, you know, love and bravo, you're just a cog in the machine and you're just there to fill, fill a purpose. And if you aren't filling the purpose, then, you know, there's no need for you in in the military anymore. Yeah, I can definitely see that. We talk about being a cog, and if you're useless, you know, a superfluous element of that machine, we should be efficient enough to get rid of it. But I, I never saw that in the military, you know, in every single brigade that I was in. You always had all this excess when it comes to positions or when it came to equipment. If you had to contract out, I wouldn't, I mean, we might be able to say like whole branches of the military, um, but specifically in the Army, what would you think would be a branch or an MOS you could easily contract out and the army would be like at no loss, uh, to, to get rid of its position. I think you talk about like logisticians or like support staff, like, you know, like the cooks, you can talk, I mean, cooks, like logisticians, transporters, like you could easily, um, you know, contract out like all of the support to like move like weapons, like munition and material, um, which you already do that with like the GS levels at every like base, mm-hmm. you know, like all the, like even like PCSing this last year, like it was all civilians that managed my PCS yeah. move. Like, I don't know what the military, you know, what MOS is would do that, like, you know, forward or whatever. But even then, if you're forward, you can still have contractors forward too. Yeah. So cooks, I could see, um, especially given some of the food that I've tasted in defects around the army. Uh, I will say that I had uh, Madigan, uh, the dining hall in Madigan on Christmas Day. 
It's actually pretty good. They have prime rib. This is the first time I ate in the in the cafeteria. It's actually pretty good. So I'll shout out to Madigan. Best food I've had in the army has always been deployed, and it's always contracted workers oh, yeah. from like Bangladesh who like make phenomenal food. And then I look over at the cook that's deployed, not making any food, and like just go back there and just watch what they do. Watch how he makes the eggs over easy. Like that's how you make an egg. Like. He's good at his job. You are not. How? how? How do you suck at making an egg, sir? Like this is your one task. And then getting like some cold egg mix when we're out in the field, like that's infuriating. So, okay, cooks, uh, I would say S1 personnel. Um, I mean, for the amount of times I've had my records completely jacked up, uh, it, it's infuriating. And I, I would say this, the, the higher you get in rank or the more seniority you have in an organization – you can kind of get away with stuff like that and get it fixed real easily because you'll mm-hmm. make friends with the S1 or you know the adjutant and and they can go into the system but for 99% of that formation who doesn't who who will not ever have that relationship or that opportunity like that's why it needs to be addressed because I've had too many soldiers and rangers who have had their stuff missing um losing like CIB awards after a deployment, like an entire battalion's worth of awards was lost because some idiot, like and this wasn't in regiment, but, but some idiot soldier like lost the two CDs that the files were on. And that was the only backup that they had. So he came back from Afghanistan and people were like, what, where are the hard copies of the awards? And like, thank God we told people like, hold on to your hard copies, scan them as soon as you get home, mm-hmm. download an app. Like that's the kind of stuff that I just find real intolerable. Like, I don't understand how if you have like one job because I never sucked. I sucked at at certain parts of my job for sure and I got better, but I don't think I've ever sucked consistently as much as I've seen some of the MOSs and branches in the army. And you're just like there's a professionalism aspect that if you're not going to meet my level in what I do in the military, like I have a really hard time communicating with you in a very respectful manner that doesn't clearly show how disappointed and angry I am with your commitment to your profession. Yeah. <laughs> Funny that you mentioned that. Like I hundred percent agree with the whole like being good at your job and if you're not good at your job, like what are you doing? I had like a multiple issues uh in the hospital with some of the nursing staff where it was like they just you know, some of the nurses just either through a combination of inexperience and like incompetence or just flat out, you know, negligence sometimes where it's just like, I don't understand like why, you know, you're so bad at your job. And then like when I've like had to correct nurses, um, I had to like, you know, I've actually gotten like yelled at or not yelled at, but like had to get sit down by like some of the nursing supervisors because I was a little too, you know, uh, harsh on my corrections of the nursing staff but it's like it you know you just have to and it's just like i even told the nursing like their uh the nursing uh, supervisors i was like listen like i have a high expectation for people that that are one you know in healthcare and two like in the military because you know if you're not you know i just have a high expectation of you being able to do your job and if you're not doing your job and you can't be coachable then what are you doing you know whether or not in any professional field you know that's like the cornerstone of being um of being a professional is that you're able to one maintain the standards two uphold the standards and then three be able to you know be coachable and, and get better yeah and it's preparation too you've mentioned before how much 
like you study in your off time and and like that's what's expected of not only a, a soldier but definitely a surgeon in the military and if we were to take like some of the experiences that we've had with individuals that don't show up prepared it would be akin to you going into a surgery not knowing if you were doing an amputation on a leg on an arm if you were doing like open heart surgery i mean like a dude showed up to a company live fire event that i planned and he came into the talk asking for products for the lane you're like, dude, this is like your one evaluation in front of the brigade commander certifying you to go to Afghanistan. You don't have those products readily available. And not only did you skip going to the battalion talk, you thought comfortable and you were comfortable enough to come to the brigade talk and show your face in, in, you know, in front of all the headquarters and ask for that. Like, how can you go and comfortably or safely go and execute a company live fire? And, and it was a relatively complex life fire. Like I tried to make it as much like the one we did in regiment as possible. Um, and thank goodness, like Carson approved almost all of it. But like I, I couldn't imagine showing up to a live fire event and not having products ready to go review and brief. Like that's just it's pathetic. Yeah, it's like the basic like cornerstone of being a professional is that you you know care about what you're doing and show up prepared. Like it's like like you're saying like I would never show up to the or without having a good plan of what i'm doing and like the steps of what i'm doing same thing like military like if you you can't expect to show up on you know go to can't expect to show up at ranger school running like a 40 minute five mile and expect to do well like you have to put in the time and the effort to ensure your success by you know putting the steps doing the studying putting in the time and the effort to to you know ensure future future success yeah well so speaking of success we can Kind of, here comes my first sergeant, sergeant major, company commander, battalion commander, dovetail that comment. Um, after the like question and answer session that we did on Instagram uh, the other day about you know what's an appropriate time or a comfortable time that you'd want to go to a selection or ranger school with, um, a couple guys in group, some of our ranger buddies reached out to us, and like if you were trying to go to ranger school with like really anything slower than a 36, 37 minute, five mile and same with selection. Like it's going to be a tough, hard time for you. Um, hand release pushups are a little bit different than the, the higher volume, normal pushups and same with the knees to elbow. It's a different kind of training now. But if, if you're not going like essentially maxing an APFT, if you're not going and you could just comfortably run that 35 to 37, standing on your feet for a day and a half, two days before the event, running to different things, having a, a heightened uh, heart rate for an extended period of time because you're stressed and nervous, going into those events, like you're going you're gonna to expend way more energy than is necessary and probably end up being a lot slower than you anticipated training for and probably fell out when it comes to some of the physical requirements, especially when you look at SFAS and you're running on sand and trails. You're not running on a hard-packed earth you know, at ranger school. So like, I think when it comes to fitness, a lot of questions always come our way. What's that optimal score that I need? And I think we've said it, you know, pretty clearly over the last couple of years, but again, sub 13 minute on your two mile, pretty easy. And a 35 to 37 minute five mile, like at a minimum. Yeah. I think it's also like a mentality thing because I think when people ask a question, they think about like, what is the, you know, what is the bare minimum? Like, what is the least amount of work that I can do to ensure that I have success? I think that's basically what that question comes down, like what they're trying to say. 
and then like i think i feel like i hate when I, we get these questions that like oh what should i do like what should my goals be it's like you should your goal should be to be the fastest you can be the strongest you can be and be in the best possible shape you can be the numbers that are associated with that you'll get these numbers regardless of what you know of how much of what you do but you know it's just like a mindset thing where you it doesn't matter like what the bare minimum should be. You should not even think about that. You should be thinking about being in the best possible condition and putting yourself in the best shape and set yourself in the best condition, like setting yourself up for the best, you know, possible outcome that you can be uh, training up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I went to Ranger School, I was running a thirty-two thirty on my five-mile, knocking out eighty-five to ninety push-ups, same amount of sit-ups. And my two mile was like a 12.20. And because I was in that kind of fitness, and my, my 12 mile ruck was like a 2.30 to 2.45. And because of that, when I got to the five mile, I essentially jogged like a 38 minute because I, I knew exactly how much energy that would burn. And to be honest, like really standing for that long throughout the entirety of that morning, waiting for push-ups and sit-ups and the hours that it took to finish that, like it did have some impact on my legs. And I'm happy that it didn't crush me to, to do a, a standard RPFT five mile, uh, right after that. So yeah, I think that's really important. And if you're listening, I have lost internet and it's coming back. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, we're back in, uh, but, uh, we're, we're talking about, um, how you at Ranger school, you were running like a 12, 32 mile and then, during the five mile itself, you like were jogging, you jogged like a 38 five mile essentially. Yeah, I jogged like a 38 minute five mile. And then even looking at the 12 mile, I, the first four to five miles I did in front of the pace truck. And I had our eyes telling me like, you're going to bust time. You're not going to make time. It's like, well, everyone's wearing a watch. I know exactly what my pace is for each one of these miles. I'm not worried about busting time because I wanted to finish like at 255 to 259, something I, I'm not trying to, you know, break the land speed record, uh, at school. And I'm certainly not going to finish a sub 220 and burn myself out knowing that, you know, we still got, I think, uh, the, the Derby queen, the next yeah. day or two days later when we went out, uh, was it Kent McCall or no, no, Camp uh, Darby, Darby. Yeah. Darby. Sorry. Um, Causing knowing that, Frag. Yeah, no, yeah, knowing that we still had that to go through, um, I was like, it's just it'd be silly to to waste any energy on this um, going forward. I mean, that was like my my thing. I wanted to go in such good shape that I I could pace at a slow rate and still pass all the Ranger standards. Yeah, but that's like the point that I was trying to make is that you you know, and you're trained up to go to Ranger School. You gave yourself like the best. You set yourself up for success by training as hard as you could and being in the best shape that you could possibly be in. Uh, because, like, at Ranger School, like, it's that's 100% correct. Like, I did the same exact thing where, like, you know, I passed the RPFT because I just, just did what I needed to do to pass it. Just passed the, you know, the rush because I just I only needed to do, like, what I needed to pass it. Because at the end of the day, like, rap week is just checking the box to make sure that you're physically fit enough to even, you know, go through school. And I think a lot of people, you know, get fall into the trap of like you have to like do well during rap week. But at the same time, it's like rap week is just like a basic assessment to see, you know, if you put the, if you did the homework, you put in the time in to to be, you know, even qualified or you should even be able to go to school. 
Yeah, and it's like really simple stuff too when you look at it in the in the long run. And then you know, as you progress through your fitness career, and hopefully you find programming that you know is something that you're going to maintain for years to follow. Running that that 35 or 37 minute five mile becomes pretty standard. And once you figure out you know how many steps you're taking per minute, what your breathing sounds like, what that heart rate kind of sounds like, you'll be able to essentially run for. I would say almost a half marathon at, at that RPFT pace. Um, that was always my goal was my running should not only be at the, at the point where I can go and run five miles in under 40 minutes, I should be able to wake up and almost on, on any single day that I'm serving, be able to run a half marathon and not feel like I've just died. I feel like that the half marathon standard for your, your base level conditioning uh, is a pretty appropriate test to see if you really have what it takes to to consistently, you know, put that level of uh, effort out um, in, in a soft branch. Yeah. Um, but I think it just comes, like, what we're just trying to say is that, you know, you um, once you have and put the time in and put the effort in to ensure your success, once you have put in that effort, it's very easy just to maintain that effort. Um, you know, it's harder to get in shape than to stay in shape. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's how I feel. Now, I, we had a question that someone had about uh, heart rate training and zone training. And I had said, and I don't know if, if you agree or, or not necessarily on this, but if for anything under, definitely for 10K and under, I would not recommend doing heart rate or zone training. Uh, maybe with a half marathon, but even still then, I, I don't think doing heart rate training is really effective. I would say anything beyond half marathon and up, heart rate training is an effective way not only to maximize your time, but to be efficient with your energy uh what do you think yeah i mean like at the end of the day like for any for like a 10k you're talking about like 45 50 minutes max um i'm sure like you the best way to like improve your like your vo2 max is through like heart rate training and threshold training so um i think that you know it could be um a valid method of trying to do it of, of training and uh, keeping yourself at like certain training goals, I think it's okay to do it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it, you could do it um, and be probably fine doing it, but you probably do the same thing. You probably get the same thing of just doing like a standard running program without doing like all the heart rate stuff. Yeah. Every 10 K program and half marathon program that I've ever done has never been based off of, like a perceived zone uh, or a level of exertion. It's just been like, if this is your goal pace for the race, this is what you need to be hitting on each one of these intervals that we've prescribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in general, for the bulk of individuals that follow these programs, they'll finish the race in that time because it's one of those gut check things. It's like running yeah. an 800. It's not quite a sprint, but it's definitely not something you're going to get into a comfortable zone with. And when you look at a 10K, like sub 40 is what everyone I think shoots for or should shoot for because it's, it's a very fast run. But if you can break 40, that's huge. Um, but that was always a distance that I never thought like, you know what I need to spend three to four months doing is like heart rate training. It's like, well, I'll just spend three to four months brutalizing my body, uh, trying to maintain these intervals and throwing up occasionally and probably get there just as easily without any kind of aggravation looking down month one going, I have to run a nine minute pace because that's zone three and I can't tap out beyond that. Like that, 
that's why I'm against the heart rate training for, for that kind of duration of a run because it just takes so long to build um, your max and to start dropping the time to where you'd see like really fast paces. Yeah. I mean, something to be said about like the reason why you do heart rate training versus like the reason why you like train for like a 10K. Um, definitely like in the longer distances when you're trying to increase your VO2 max and your ability to, um, you know, process and uh, your energy systems is probably more effective for that kind of kind of zone uh or that you know realm of training but in that like shorter more aerobic but still kind of anaerobic threshold pace you can probably get away with not being as like uh, anal about your heart rates yeah yeah that's, that's for sure and especially too when it comes to some of the training programs uh, the last iron man prep that i did like it, it went, it like had a combination of, of two things. It'd be like, hey, you have a, a two mile warm up on today's run. Um, you should stay in like zone two for that. But then whenever it would prescribe like a rest pace, it would be a zone two pace, but not necessarily require me to be in zone two. Because if I had to go all the way to zone two when I'm like doing intervals in zone four to yeah. like the lower parts of five, I'd have to almost completely stop or go to a walk, um, for, you know, a five minute period, which is definitely not the intent of a workout because you want to keep moving. So a lot of times in some of the programs, if you're following out there, you'll see your, your heart rate that you're supposed to target as I'm pinching this bore in my background, um, is also going to be a reflection of a pace that you have connected to like what you, your, your threshold is. Um, so that, that is, know some of the saving graces for me at least when i train even for longer distance it's knowing that like okay i might i'm in my like rest phase right now but my heart rate can be a slightly higher because i just need to maintain like a, a 9 10 pace on my you know three to five minute cool down areas no and that's like a but that's like a kind of a distinction that you will develop over time as you like get more um i think comfortable with endurance training and that kind of training is that you, you just get better at understanding your body and i think that's what um heart rate training is very good for is that like it kind of teaches you like how the certain paces and your build your body's ability to maintain a certain energy levels and thresholds um which i think is like the same thing why you know i, I talk about like the whoop strap it's just like a different way of of teaching your body and teaching yourself of how to like manage your own body's recovery and uh training yeah i like in the peak of the summer I almost didn't even need to look at my watch to know what zone I was in because yeah. I got so accustomed. Yeah. It'd be like, as I start going up some of the small hills in central park, you're like, ah, oh, crap. Like I can feel my chest starting to tighten up. I have to be like four one right now. And then you get to the top of it and you're like, all right, I need to take like 30 seconds of almost stationary jogging so I can drop this. So I really can stay in like a zone two for 45 minutes straight or an hour and a half straight. Like, um, it's really fun. I, I find it fun to listen to your body, especially now because I'm old. Yeah. And that's like the, I think that's, like I said, the huge benefit to heart rate zone training is that you learn like, uh, like this is a pace that you should be able to hold for like, you know, a marathon or this is a pace that you should be able to hold for like a 10K or like a, a one mile, like this is your threshold, annual threshold, shit like that. Yeah. I would say equipment's really important too. Um, Someone hit us up and, and we had some back and forth of like, you know, what kind of belt we recommend uh, for like CrossFit, Chronosfit, functional fitness training. 
Like I've always had like a Nike, like the nylon weightlifting yeah. belt. Yeah. You have the the Rogue One. Um, you know, like having the right equipment. Um, I I just upgraded my Hoka's. Uh, I had the Mach Twos, which were more of a, like a responsive sole to now more of a balanced sole, so that I, I'm not. I'm not trying to run for pace. I need something that is not going to destroy my knees after two plus three hours, you know, every couple of days. So um, you have to do some bit of research, I think, to find exactly what works for you. And what works for you might not work for others. I mean, like you had guys back in art, you know, in RTC and up at West Point that loved the Nike uh, combat boots. I couldn't stand the Nike boots. I thought like they were super flimsy. There was no support. You could run for days in them because they were essentially the Nike Freeze with a, an eight-inch side, but you know they're not a good boot. I did one uh, fast rope in them and, and completely destroyed the sole of the shoe. Yeah, I think and that's like a I think a trap that people get fall into also because it's like uh, people try to optimize or find the easiest way to like optimize their chances of of success, and that's like an easy way that you can like try and like get an edge an easy edge is like you know having the best swag best gear to like you know ensure that without putting like the effort in but at the same time they're like you know the gear and like the that stuff is like a small fraction of like your performance you know at the end of the day like it doesn't really matter like what shoe is going to be the best like you're talking about like one two percent like performance like improvement based on like your gear at the end of the day, like, what really ensures your success is, like, what, you know, putting the time in and putting the effort in and that sweat equity. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you could you can take what Bobby just said and you can apply it to almost everything in the military um, or whatever environment you're in. I mean, how many guys are those gear hoarders that they see a soft dude wearing, you know, like a, a, a belt, uh, so they have to go buy that belt. They see them, you know, with a... Uh, a mag drop pouch, um, you know, attached to their, their hip and they got to go purchase that. It's like, well, do you really need that? Or are you doing a ton of shooting? Um, are, are you ever going to be in an environment where that's going to come in handy that you have to put stuff in there? You'll see guys take chem lights, uh, like, you know, the guys in regiment had on their kit for when they were doing different types of, uh, aspects of the mission. And I see guys in the conventional army start throwing chem lights on their kit, not knowing what those chem lights are supposed to be used for or what kind of signaling that, you know, they might impact a, a mission with. It's just stuff like that. Like just focus on yourself essentially is what I'm trying to say when you're working out whatever unit or environment you're in, um, and figure out if like someone else's gear that they're using that's making them successful is truly for you and and it's not something that you're just using because you've not done their research yeah it's like uh louis simmons quote it's like uh don't have a hundred dollar shoes for a 50 cent squat i actually saw a pretty funny meme uh i think it yesterday the day before i like one of the military meme pages that like posted a meme that was like a fat dude uh in like gucci gear and it's like you know you can't have gucci gear and be fat because at the end of the day, you can't perform anyways. Like, what's the point of spending all that money on Gucci, on like Gucci gear, when you can't even run like a two mile? So it's just like the same idea was that, you know, don't spend time and effort on making yourself look good when you can't, you know, back up that claim. If that makes sense. So you you said Gucci gear, and I thought you literally meant Gucci. No. Uh, I so I immediately thought like, wow, we're gonna have like. Rick Ross and DJ Khaled like suing the podcast because they feel, you know, offended by Gucci kit, Gucci gear, Gucci, 
Gucci. So now I understand Gucci is also a term of, uh, I don't know, cool or yeah. trendy. Yeah. Okay. So like you would say that cries are Gucci. You got the, the mm. Gucci gear. You got the cries. You got the cry like vest. You got the cry play carrier. That's like oh, the Gucci. Okay. So yeah, I feel like I've used the term like Patagucci before to describe yes, Patagonia yes, stuff. Yes, yes, oh yes, yeah. Yes. See, okay. I'm not that out of loop with, with what the cool kids are saying. You know but what yeah. it is? I've, I've not been able to take in class, uh, you know, in, in person classes. So I'm missing that. You can see I've, I've been negatively impacted by uh, the lockdowns here in the city because I can't interact with my classmates and, and stay hip. Uh, it's, it's like taking a devastating toll on me, man. I'm not, yeah. I can't Clearly. even watch Teen Mom anymore because I don't understand half the things that they're saying. You're just aging. Uh, you're aging exponentially in, in, uh, in isolation. I am. I, I've, uh, Alyssa and I have started playing backgammon. Uh, I got her and, uh, me a, a backgammon set, um, for Christmas. And it's like, it is a ton of fun. I taught her how to play backgammon and I've lost every game now since, which is like real disappointing because I thought it would be much harder to pick up, and she has picked it up, rolled better than I have, and we have a scoreboard on our door, and she's just housing me right now. Um, so I, I guess that's where I am in my life. You know, that's my – I love reading in bed, and I love playing board games and card games. Yeah, I don't know how to play backgammon. Um, but anyways, the point that I think I, we're, we were trying to drive at is that you know, you got to put the time in, put the effort in, and then like you can't. There are no short. There are no shortcuts to success besides putting in the time and the effort. And you're only fooling yourself by uh, by thinking that if you spend, you know, if you're just looking for the bare minimum, you're only, you know, fooling yourself. Or if you're looking to buy your way, or you know, looking for shortcuts, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah, and that goes for you, influencers out there as well. Don't buy your followers. Uh, you know. Earn those followers. Earn the 1.1 million in your blue check mark. Yeah. Speaking of which, can we get a blue check mark? I, I feel like we deserve I've one. Tried. I've tried. Oh, I you have? Think, uh, I have tried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Instagram is uh, real into it. I I think that, you know, we should have a blue check mark for sure. I mean, we're, we're certified. I, I've certified us whenever we post. You've certified us. I don't think we've been hacked. Um you know, and we're we're now we're influencers now. Essentially, um, I always get a little embarrassed at work when like, uh, do you ever get like embarrassed in like in everyday life a little bit when people like bring up Corona's fit and like randomly? Uh, fortunately, I go to school with a bunch of dudes and dudettes who have a problem like picking up their pencil bag, so I'm not surrounded by individuals who would have the slightest notion of what Corona's fit is. Yeah, I don't know why, but like sometimes I'll get like a little embarrassed that people like will say something to me about like Chronos Fix. I like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird. I don't know why I have like this sentiment, but it's like I just feel a little weird, embarrassed, and people like recognize me or like ask me about Chronos Fit or ask me about fitness. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've. I, I don't know. I I could see where that might be weird being on like a like I would feel weird at this point if I was back on a military post especially if I was working out in like a military gym because you'll run into somebody that knows what Kronos fit. Well, it wasn't like when we started this back in 2017 where yeah. like a, a rando at, at Carson would know what was going on. And that was only because they were in the unit with me or uh, with you. And, and it's just like, 
you know, it's very cool that people follow the programming. I, when we first started off, some some history here. Like I remember, you and I were looking at each other's workouts like every single day, and like, what program are you taking out and releasing tomorrow, or what's the next program that we've got on deck? Like after this twenty weeker, and it's to the point now, you know, between the stuff that we've got going on with Cronus Fit, where sometimes like I don't even, I haven't even seen the workout that you've posted for a day and then I'm I'm finding myself like scrolling through Instagram figuring out like okay where are these guys at cuz someone's asked a question about this program specifically mm-hmm. um or they ask a question about you know I think we're really lucky we have probably something like 20 programs available on the website uh, which I'll get to in a second too cuz this is something that's really annoying me um so it's like it's it's really cool that people are investing in the programs but it's like we're we get like a couple dozen messages a day and between staying on top of that, staying on top of the emails, um, you know, talking with the sponsor, like you get a lot of time taken away from what we used to be able to do and and handle on a daily basis. So that's, that's been the one change for me that I've noticed, but really quickly onto the website thing. We get so many questions and clearly the people that are asking us probably don't listen to this podcast either. Like just go to the website, like chronosfit.org. There's a really easy method to follow for free programs, the ones that are available online that we post daily, and then the actual programs that are available for free. There's so many questions that we get that you're like, we have a website. It's in our handle. Like two seconds on the website, you'd find all of these programs. And then you can ask us specifically about the program. Like, is this the best program for me? But just starting off the bat cold, like, hey, do you think a program like this would work? Or do you have a program like this? It's like, just go to the website, man. Like or gal, it's like it's like right there. Yeah, I think that's a great like screener already for like uh, you know whether or not you'll make it or if you'll have success in the future. If you can put like the you know take the, the five minutes to do some research into like whether or not you know do like do like some basic research and basic homework. Like if you do that um, versus the people that just you know immediately ask for help you know i think that goes a while that goes a lot and says something about like your personality type and your ability to you know achieve success in the future because people that are you know self-sufficient that are able to do the homework and like put the time in to like you know learn about something are going to be the same type of people that put in the time and the effort that ensures our future success so i think that's a great like, kind of like a screener tool for like like if someone like not to like you know highlight anybody but like people that always dm us about like what does this mean or like what you know why like what what does this mean for a workout it's just like listen like there's a website with faqs on it you can literally google all the exercises too like you don't have to yeah. ask me like what this exercise is you can literally google it um and it's not like meant to be like a like a gotcha moment like it's just like you know just put the time in and like do some like it, it might be a little inconvenient to like have to like google something but right it's better if, it'll be better for you if you like google something and do some your own your own um homework and research yeah and we've followed programs before like i i i've done uh at least two or three cycles of catalyst athletics um olympic lifting programming and there's tons of stuff that they have for technique work that i have zero idea what it meant before i started the program and it's like one it's on their website they have youtube tutorials for a lot of it and two if they don't like youtube has it like there are a ton of people out there that are hustling every day that create websites that are geared towards just explaining basic movements um like real appropriate questions and not again i'm not sounding like i'm ungrateful for people being interested in our programs but like a really good question would be i'm interested in getting faster i notice you have a running program 
I also noticed you have like the 175 program or the Ranger School program available for free. Is there a significant difference? What is the difference? And then kind of explaining why one is for cost and one is free. It's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we'll always be able to answer. And the same answer will always kind of apply, at least from the military prep side of the house. Like you'll get a little bit more fine-tuned uh, training under the the paid military prep programs. But for the most part, our, our motto has always been fitness should be free. So we're not going to hide like an actual thing that's going to make you uber successful in a paid you know, behind a $20 wall, um, just like, you know, the Ranger School Guide and the SFAS Guide, like all that stuff's free. Like, you know, running programs slightly differ here and there, but for the most part, like you could follow either, you know, any kind of one of our free programs consistently never purchasing a single program and generally get infinitely more fit. Um, you know, so don't expect like we're, we're hiding the eight ball you know, from you um, as, as part of like a ploy or a gimmick that, that we've, you know, adhered to for three years. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we want to see people succeed and to give back to both military and to society. Um, and, you know, the fitter you are, the more, you know, more resilient you are, I think the better member of society and the better person you can be, the better, you know, we all become. And better looking. I definitely better looking. I'm, I'm vain. I love looking at good looking people. I want to see more of them. I'm. I don't want to go to the beach and be the sexiest person there, but I am. I'll. I'll. I'll die on that cross if I have to. But, you know, I, there should be other people that are just as good looking. Um, I think we'll we'll start wrapping it up. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um. Sorry for the technical delays that uh, I had earlier. Um, if you hear, well, if part of this podcast is me just grumbling about my internet here in New York City, uh, please bear with me there. Um, but briefly talk about the next Ranger School prep that's coming up uh, in February. We're going to move to some much more uh, defined strength uh, movements to kind of go in line with what the ACFT program provides, but what's going to be tested specifically now at Ranger School with the hand release push-ups, um, with the knees to elbow, uh, and how that kind of generally affects, you know, fitness and training for it, unlike individuals that kind of went through school uh, circa 2019 and earlier. So um, look for that. that. That'll come out in February, and that'll be a good, you know, 16 to 20-week program that we'll, we'll kick off and head into uh, spring with. Yeah, as far as programming from my end goes, I am kind of working on writing like a year-long base building program because, you know, I think that's a very that's a super common question that we always get asked is like, hey, what program should I do if I'm not, you know, actively prepping for a school or a selection? And it's like, you should be doing some kind of base building program where, you know, whether it's just like the military prep or a functional fitness, you know, they're both all good daily you know, base building programs that aren't exactly, you know, ramping you up for something or anything like that. So, um, that's like on my to-do list is to, is to write like a, a year long program. Cause so we have the six month, like get yo 2.0, which I think is a pretty good, like a really good base building program. But like, I kind of want to make, write something for a year long that you get guys can run like year after year after year and still get great gains from it. Yeah. And you could run it for probably two to three years before starting to see like, oh my God, I'm back in April again. I remember April from last year sucking. Yeah. So like, and that's like, I think the kind of the, um, 
the beauty of kind of the, some of the programs that we do is that you can there's enough variety and enough um, variability in what we do that you know you'll still get some stuff out of it yeah for sure also uh, uh, check out the nutrition stuff um, I think we've, we've gotten a lot of good feedback for the personalized nutrition and coaching through uh, James um, we've actually you know had two guys that signed on for one month and then have canceled their subscriptions because they hit their goals already after one month of coaching. So, um, you know, that's a great testament to James because, you know, all, you guys pay for the month for subscription per month. So, like, if you're able to hit your goals after one month, um, after, like, one-on-one personal coaching, and we're not, like, trying to string you along to keep getting money from you guys, I think it's a good, a great testament to um, James's expertise and ability to, to get you where you need to be. So... If you have any questions about your nutrition, your training, recovery, um, sign up for the personalized nutrition coaching. I think it's a great resource and great, um, great uh, capability to add to your knowledge base and your physical and your uh, fitness regimen. Hell yeah. Um, I think that's it uh, as far as updates or any announcements. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Don't buy Tesla. Don't buy wear Tesla. Lululemon. Tesla uh, to the moon. Wear 10,000. Uh, don't see the movie Mulan. It was so trash. Oh, um, I heard uh, Wonder Woman 84 was trash as well. Oh, I did too. Sorry that we haven't signed off yet. I heard Wonder Woman 84 was complete garbage. I heard and they've already as well. They've already greenlit like Wonder Woman 3 or something, or they're trying to fast track it with uh, Patty Jenkins. Like, yeah, I... I don't think I'll see Wonder Woman unless it's free. Like that, yeah. I heard, and I love Pedro Pascal. Like he's one of my favorite actors. But I heard the plot was stupid and uh, gimmicky, and so I'm speaking out of my ass because I haven't seen it. But yeah, I, I don't intend to see it now. Oh, what about Mandalorian? Have you finished Mandalorian season two yet? I did. Yeah. Um, have you? Yes. Okay. Um, I thought should it was we, really dumb. Yeah. I, spo- I thought spoilers. The, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe Han Solo rescued baby Grogu uh, and that Snoke what? was the bad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was <laughs> like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> I, I don't like that Luke Skywalker. One, Grogu's dead now. I'm convinced of it that Kylo Ren killed Grogu <laughs> at the, the new Jedi temple. Um, but I think it should have been that redheaded nerd from the Star Wars video games. Uh, he was like one of the like Jedi that escaped or something, the temple uh, when order 66 happened and he's been kind of like free roaming. Like I think he should have rescued Grogu cause they had like a bond, but Luke Skywalker rescuing him. That was just, that was lazy. It's trash. It's a little bit lazy. I, uh, I didn't really like that second to last episode where, um, they're like driving the dreadnoughts or whatever with the, what you call it, like the explosives and whatnot. Oh yeah. And he's in there, like, murking all, like, the local nationals that, like, you know, are rebelling against the Empire. <laughs> yeah, like, so you're like, helping, is, the, helping the wrong it, guys here. Yeah, like, I get, Bill, like, the, what they're trying to do, but I don't like how they set up that, like, uh, that episode because it's, like, you know, the Mandal- I feel like the Mandalorian would, like, at the end of the day, he, like, only wants to complete the mission, but at the same time, they're, like... You know, kind of makes you question his like ethics if he's like has no qualms about fucking these like local nationals up and like oh, blowing them up and shit. Yeah, not just like murking them, but like killing them, like yeah, everyone, and then everyone. Oh, that and uh, like essentially allowing all of the random Empire soldiers to to die, just like killing them and 
Like I thought that was that was a bit weird. There was a call to have the uh, the chick that was from Alderaan that we find out. Yeah. Um, to and I think she was in the Fast Five or in one of the Fast movies. Um, they wanted her kicked off because I think she's a a Trumper. Um, and so there was like a, a, a these petitions online just get me. Like I'm sure if we started a petition tomorrow, we could have however many tens of thousands of signatures. Um, and then someone says on the news, like, this petition generated 70,000 signatures to remove her from the Mandalorian. Like, shut up. Like, it's such a waste of a click. Such yeah, a waste like of, a, like, your time. She's like a Ronda Rousey because she fought in the MMA. Or she fought UFC, in the UFC, I want to say, and was, like, an yeah. MMA fighter. And then went and, like, joined and did, like, send it, like uh, became an actress. Kind of like Ronda Rousey, RIP to Ronda Rousey's career. Oh yeah, what I mean, she went to WWE and she had a clause that said like she could not lose. Um, oh, speaking of WWE, Sasha Banks uh, was in The Mandalorian as one of the Mandalore fighters uh, with Bo Katan. I thought that was a really dumb storyline. Uh, I like the Bo Katan storyline. Although Dark Saber storyline was kind of weird. I was like, I don't really get this. Yeah, I do, who who gives a shit? Uh, yeah. I think they should have killed um, Moff Gideon. Um, yeah. Really disappointed by the uh, the the robots essentially. The oh yeah, the like dark knights. What the fuck was that? It's like watching Clone Wars again. Like, come on, John Favreau. Like, I think we can do better than this. You could have like enhanced, you know, some random dude to have some Medichlorians or some, as Mulan yeah. would call it, Chi. Uh, if that... we really bring all the Disney characters together. Yeah, but I think that's what the they were trying to do with Grogan was to like draw this blood and the midi chlorians to like make their like hybrid, you know, empire of soldiers. But yeah, the whole like dark night, the dark whatever dark trooper thing, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, um, literally, it makes no sense. Yeah, and I don't know. Boba Fett was pretty cool. I don't know why Boba Fett didn't stick around. I wish he had come back. I thought yeah. he would have instead of just, you know, splitting and not paying for the check. Um, all in all, the, I, I, season two was okay. Yeah, uh, I like season one much better. Yeah, like the, the droid bounty hunter that, like, yeah. goes out, like, guns blazing. That That's a badass bounty droid. That's what I want to see more of. I wish we could see more of the, like... Um, the ATATs, uh, that's the kind of stuff that I find really interesting. Is some of this like backstory shit I do not care about. No, um, I agree. Just give me more Pedro Pascal. Like taking his helmet off was cool. Um, like that's the kind of stuff. Or just like really violence. I think Star Wars should head in the direction of Rogue One. Rogue One was great. It had some dark moments. It was pretty violent. Um, it wasn't like very Disney esque, I think, in looking back at the last trilogy that they just botched. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, FN two four one seven or you know whatever the hell Finn. Finn. Um, like he goes out and the dude gets shot and he you know puts his hand on Finn's helmet and leaves like a big you know bloody handprint. That's literally all the blood that's in all the Star Wars movies. So like, why don't you see that? in any other scene like when someone gets sliced in half don't tell me it's been like 
automatically carterized, but like, or when someone gets shot with a bolt or a laser, like, why is there not more blood? Why is that the only time we see blood in all the Star Wars universe? That's why you're trash, Disney. Like, now I'm ranting against Disney. Down with Disney stock. Like, that, that's just the kind of stuff that I would hope to see and why I watch Peaky Blinders now. Yeah, I was just like, uh, what was I going to say? Peaky Blinders is dope. I haven't watched the new season yet. Um, I've been watching Twin Peaks a lot. Started watching Twin Peaks with Christina. Yeah, I, I didn't get into I I had to watch Queen's Gambit between like Thanksgiving and now because uh-huh. the last one we were home for Thanksgiving, my parents started watching it. It's just like one of those – it's like The Crown – I don't know how my parents get into watching these, like, uh, melodramas. Um, It's like between watching melodramas and, like, murder porn on, like, A&E or the Discovery Network. Like, I don't know. I never want to be like that when I'm older. Like, I don't want to have to call my kids up and be like, hey, your mom and I watched a really interesting show last night. Three people were murdered or buried in their neighbor's backyard, and it turns out it was the mailman. Like, that is so uninteresting to me. I will never be interested in that kind of crap, mm-hmm. but that's all my parents it's fucking crime, watch. Yeah. yeah. What was I listening to? Or like, um, maybe it was Andrew Schultz was like talking shit about how, like how women love like murder mysteries, how like basic women like love murder mysteries. Did you hear that? I don't know. I don't know if that was a, on his, uh, new special, if that was on his episode with Joe Rogan, but he was talking, they were talking about that. I mean, I get it. If you go to any, like, bookstore, half the – what is it? Like, Michael Peterson or something. Uh, there's always – it's like I think women love murder True mysteries. Crime. They love books set in World War II where it's like uh, women going up against the Nazis, women going against the communists. And in every single one of these books, like, most of the women are killed, murdered, uh, like, sexually assaulted and abused – and then at the end, like, the one will get away and then the whole evil empire collapses. Like, it's this it, – it's re, it's like a really weird, sick, twisted world that we went from, you know, like the the John Cena-esque cover boy with long blonde hair for women's erotica novels to now it's like the woman that gets beat the fuck up and goes back and kills her captors. Like, that's a weird arc that I feel like women's writing is on right now. Uh, okay. Um, I only, I only know that because I've got those books are in the next room. Like I feel like I I I'm hearing the same storyline told over and over again. Uh, I was gonna say, have you watched The Bachelor at this season? Oh yeah, dude. We've got so. Why didn't we think about this before we signed off? We've not signed off yet. Still Your boy got runner up. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed feelings about it. Um, for those that don't know, I. And pretty good, or pretty, I was producing buddies with Ben Smith. We we're on the strength team together. He was a year younger than me. Um, we went to ranger school together. We we're in the same ranger school platoon um, until he recycled mountains and then um, kind of kept up kept up over the years. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of mixed. I don't really want to talk shit about Ben Smith because he's like he's pretty, still a pretty good dude in my mind. But like the whole like bachelor thing, bachelor thing, it's just like I don't know. I don't find it genuine. I'm sorry. I'd say, one, I really appreciate not once on that show did I ever hear him talk about the military uh, or talk about being range qualified. I thought like, you did. I 
at least in the episodes that I saw, I think someone asked like, yeah, I was in the military and that was like his backstory. That was it. Um, there was never gloating about his, his service or deployment. Like none of that. It was just, yeah, I went to West point and, and that was it. Uh, what I liked about this season of the bachelorette was one Claire Crawley got like, she self eliminated herself by getting with a guy that I'm sure she was talking with before production started. Cause within 11 days they were like engaged. Um, but yeah, Ben's character, I was surprised. I'm not friends with him, so I can say it. I was surprised how difficult it was for him to talk like an adult man. Um, like, and to express his feelings. And that that's, you know, I think a, a man or an adult man in today's society, like, you should be able to express your emotions. And when you're on a TV show like that, like he had to show up was his like catchphrase for his, you know, experiences on the bachelorette. Like, I feel like you've done significantly harder things in your life than telling some social media influencer that you liked her or loved her. So for that reason, like watching him as one of the finalists, hearing what he said to her parents being like, you know, why he loved Tasha compared to what the dude from Haddonfield, New Jersey, let's go bulldogs. Um, <laughs> For what he said to her, like, that's a 36-year-old articulate man who's gone through some awful things in his life and come out better on the other side. Compared to Ben, it's like, that dude should have been the, the front runner the entire season. But because he could not communicate, that was like, that was the most aggravating part of it. It's like, clearly had the best body, had the coolest backstory, at least from my perspective, being Ranger qualified, being pretty jacked, uh, good looking. But the best you can come up with is I've never felt like this about a woman or a woman's never made me feel like this before. Like, okay, that's fine as an intro, but you better have some more substantive, like hard backed reasons why you're in love with someone. And so watching that, it was like, oh my God, this is like a train wreck. Like, you know exactly who she's going to pick because unless she's completely vain and vapid, like you're going to need some sort of like an actual character there. And I just didn't get any character from Ben all season. Yeah, I haven't watched any of the episodes. I just know, uh, like, secondarily from Christina watching it and telling me about what's been updating, the updates. Yeah, here's what I also don't like about the show. We didn't see any of them working out. Like, those guys stayed in shape while they were out there in Palm Springs. Why didn't we see their gym? Like, why didn't we see these guys messing around doing squats? I I think Ben has, like, a... I've been on an Instagram. He has like a, a above four hundred pound like double back squat. Yeah, he's pretty like, strong, dude. Yeah, the he's dude, the West dude can too, squat, yeah. and he has great technique and stuff. I know he's like a fitness influencer, but like Bachelorette Nation, like that should have been the stuff you are highlighting, and not the drama between the Harvard Chet and the Nashville Chad. Like that was such a bore. I I nearly turned off the season just because I was so bored. And now The Bachelor's back January 4th on ABC, which I know you're going to watch. Um, It's Matt something. Uh, I hate hate that you know this. Fuck you. Um, (laughs) He was friends with Tyler C. or Cameron. Dude, I don't fucking know these people. Yeah, I think it was Tyler C. from Hannah Brown season. Um, It's like one one of his best friends. I think they play football together or something, or they work for some nonprofit in New York City. Um, 
but yeah, he's going to be the the bachelor, and I think they also went to like a, a remote giant mansion, um, like to meet all the women. And uh, the catchphrases are like, you know, the women are unmatched. Um, so I'll be interested to to see that season. I always watch it because I'm like, you know, you want to see people that like maybe you'd be interested in too. So it's like, are these people fit? Are they vain? Like, what does their social media presence? I think half these people just go on these shows just to try to increase their followers by ten to twenty thousand. That's a hundred percent what it is. It's all fake. It's all like a social media popularity grab. Um, like Ben Smith went from like a thousand followers to four hundred thousand followers in this past year. Yeah. Oh yeah, good on him. They talked about some dark shit. Like uh, the guy who ended up winning uh, had gone through rehab, I think, a couple times. Um, and now he's an addiction specialist. Uh, ben talked about, you know, his challenges uh, with, you know, suicidal ideations. Like, that's real stuff that they talked about. And so, like, earlier my comment, like, I don't understand how you can bring that kind of stuff up to a potential significant other, but you can't vocalize or tell them how you feel. Like, it just didn't make sense. Like, either you didn't really feel that way about that person, but you can't be that vulnerable to talk about such significant life-changing events. Um and not otherwise be able to say like I love you like that. It that's why the show for me the season seemed kind of fake and and really empty of actual emotion. I think it's all fake and empty of actual emotion. It's just people that are trying to become famous. Well, it's also too like you've got one woman and thirty guys, and when those guys can't see any other woman um, on the show and all they're doing is competing with their time. Like if you went down and tracked how much time the winner of the bachelorette spent with Tasha, it's probably like maybe seven or eight actual moments that they shared. And like some of those might've been like, you know, 10 to 12 hours, uh, the very few of them, but the most of them were like a random cocktail party with six other guys, uh, for the duration of seven hours while each guy maybe got 40 minutes with her. And then after six weeks, you're going to potentially propose. Like, that's where I find it to be like, you're just made to fall in love with these people. You don't actually love them. It's like you go on deployment and, you know, uh, a home four looks like a deployment 10. Like, I think that's like that syndrome that these guys get or these gals get when they're on these shows. It's probably a good sentiment. Um, also kind of sexist, but uh, hey, I said I said bachelor and bachelorette. It's the same for the fair, 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 fair for the girls. I mean, if you think like Colton Underwood was a catch, and you were one of the chicks competing for him, like Tasha was, like there's something wrong. That dude is a soft dude. Like he hopped an eight foot fence. Okay, if that's an eight foot fence, I'm seven and a half feet tall. Like and and the bat. You know what? While we're on this topic. The Bachelor and Bachelorette have done a really weird thing where they constantly get these, like, NFL players, except the NFL players are a bunch of practice squad dudes, um, like, who are still chasing the dream. Good for you. But their bios are always NFL this, NFL that. And then you go and you look and you're like, dude, you're fucking practice squad. Like, Talk to me when you're in the game, player. Like, I, I don't care that you were on an NFL team, but we get so many of these NFL dudes in there, like Colton, Matt, uh, a couple dudes from this season. are just like, okay, I get it. Like, some of you were athletic at whatever, like, college you went to. Like, give it up. You just need to start a Bachelor Bachelor podcast. That's really what you need to do. 
No, I defend too many of the basic bros and brodettes out there, but because I'm too real, my my heart is not on my sleeve. I don't wear supreme hats and overpriced gray sweatshirts. I do wear affordable gray sweatshirts. Uh, the Cronus Fit sweatshirt comes uh, in all sizes. Uh, has a very nice stitched logo. Uh, it's currently available for fifty dollars. You could buy Those a supreme one for like nine hundred. Oh yeah, we're out of smalls, but all of our listeners are jacked anyway. You need a minimum of a large. All right, I think uh, my patience is gone after talking, <laughs> listening to you talk about the Bachelor for the last ten minutes. Because um, you're gonna go rapidly. watch the the replay, right? I made a terrible Season. mistake bringing up the Bachelor. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> well, if you've been listening to us for the last twenty five minutes, uh, thanks for sticking around. And I, I say this is probably the meat of the podcast. We should probably front load this before any talk of Ranger School. Yeah, definitely uh, the meat and potatoes of this, this week's podcast. Uh, with that we will end it with that guys you guys have a uh rest of the uh, enjoy the rest of the year have a happy new year uh, and we'll catch you guys later peace later